Thanks for downloading a 3CR podcast. 3CR is an independent community radio station based in Melbourne, Australia. We need your financial support to keep going. Go to www.3cr.org.au for more information and to donate online. Now stay tuned for your 3CR podcast. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Good morning and welcome to Dirt Radio. This is your host, Phil Evans, coming at you live from the studios of 3CR, which are situated in the land of the Wurundjeri people, where sovereignty has never been ceded. I pay my respects to elders past and present and say a big hello to all First Nations listeners today and acknowledge the important role that First Nations people play in the struggles for environmental and social justice. This, of course, is the Friends of the Earth show um, on 3CR, and this is where we dig in deep and have a look around what's happening at Friends of the Earth and in the wider grassroots community. Um, Today on the show, we're going to take a look at Pinch and the Punch. It's the first of the month. How are we already into February? And perhaps your New Year's resolution was to get more active in the struggle for environmental and social justice. So today on the show, I'm going to let you know a little bit about Friends of the Earth, some of the things that we've been up to already this year, and ways that you can get active in the struggle. That's that coming up pretty soon. Until then, let's have a little listen to a local band and uh, from Melbourne. They're called the Synthetics, and this track is called Sweet Nothings. You're on 3CR, Dirt Radio with Phil Evans. We'll be back. Dirt Radio. Organic. Friends of the Earth. Activism. Underground. Political action. Necessary. Wind farms. Indigenous struggles. Land rights. Anti-nuclear. Nanotechnology. Climate change. Coal barons. Mining magnates. Activists. Educating. Communities. Transforming. Communities. Mobilising a sustainable planet. Get involved now. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Angry at paying the heavy price for COVID? How about healthy, safe conditions at work? More health care. Less police powers. A safe world with free vaccines for everyone. Rally Saturday, the 19th of March. Fight for public health and workplace safety. State Library, 12 o'clock noon. This rally was initiated by Workers' Solidarity and rally organisers are 3CR supporters. Goongaroo Environment Centre is a grassroots community organisation campaigning for East Gippsland's precious forests. For over 15 years, we've been using direct action, citizen science and community engagement to stop the continued logging of precious native forests and threatened species habitat. After this summer's terrible bushfires, there's an even greater urgency to protect what remains. And the Victorian government haven't ruled out plans to log the small fragments of unburnt forests and so-called salvage log in burnt areas. It's now so important that forests and wildlife are protected so they can recover. 
Head to gecko.org.au to keep updated with the latest news and to get involved. Gecko acknowledges the logging is happening on the stolen lands of the Gunnakurnai and Bidwell and the Naro people and that sovereignty was never ceded. A 3CR supporter. Hello, it's Sam here with... Sorry, I still had my mask on. I was being very crazy. (laughs) (laughs) It's Sam here from Friends of the Earth. Um, Welcome to Dirt Radio. I'd first of all like to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land which we're broadcasting, the Wurundjeri and Wurundjeri people, um, and pay respects to Elders past, present and emerging. And at Friends of the Earth we take sovereignty very seriously and we seek to work in solidarity with Indigenous people uh, and their rights to land, water um, and dignity. We've got a couple of people here on the show today. We've got an exciting um, and quite serious interview with Dr Jim Green um, about the nuclear situation in Iraq, uh, in Iraq, in Ukraine. Sorry, we've had a bit of a a, a busy start and we've got Sam Castro (laughs) here on one of the lines. Welcome, Sam. Hello. Hi, Sam. How are you doing? Um, And also we've got Jack here. Hey, Jack, how are you doing? Hey, Sam. How are you doing? We've got a few of us here. We're taking over from the wonderful Phil Evans. Um, so it's a bit of a new radio crew um, <laughs> and we're getting our feet. Um, so, yeah, welcome everyone to the show. Thank you. And uh, is Jim Green calling in today or what is going on? Well, we'll be calling Jim Green in just a second. Awesome. Um, but, yeah, how was your weekend? Did you get up to any skullduggery or were you just out there enjoying the environment? <laughs> uh, I, I think my uh, plan for this year is to take every bit of free time I have and rest so that I uh, don't burn out by the end of the year. Yeah, oh, That's very good. Um, All right, well, we're going to just play a little song and then we're going to call up Jim, our expert and interview for today. Um, So here's a little track from uh, Paul Kelly, always a favourite, from Little Things, Big Things Grow. It's true, they do. Gather round people, I'll tell you a story. An eight-year-long story of power and pride British Lord Vesley and Vincent Lingyari Were opposite men on opposite sides Vesley was fat, money and muscle Beef was his business, broad was his door Vincent was lean, spoke very little he had no bank balance, our dirt was his floor. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. The Ringy were working for nothing but rations, but once they had gathered the wealth of the land. Daily the pressure got tighter and tighter Gurindji decided they must make a stand They picked up their swags, started off walking At Waddy Creek, they sat themselves down Now it don't sound like much, but it sure got tongues talking Back at the homestead, then in the town 
Big things grow from little things. Big things grow. Investing man said, I'll double your wages. Seven quid a week you have in your hand. Vincent said, uh-uh, we're not talking about wages. We're staying right here till we get our land. Festy man rode, festy man thundered. You don't stand a chance of a cinder in snow. Vince said, if we fall, others are rising from things, big things grow, from little things, big things grow. Vincent Lignari, he boarded an airplane, landed in Sydney, big city of lights, and daily he went round softly speaking his story to all kinds of men. From all walks of life. Vincent sat down with them big politicians. This affair, they told him, it's a matter of state. Let us sort it out. While your people are hungry, Vincent said, No thanks. We know how to wait. From little things, big things grow. From little things, big things grow. From little things, Vincent Lignari returned in an airplane back to his country once more to sit down and he told his people let the stars keep on turning we got friends in the south in the cities and towns eight years went by eight long years of waiting to one day a tall stranger appeared in the land and he came with lawyers came with great ceremony through Vincent's fingers on that handful of sand. Go! From little things, big things grow. 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 You can be Aboriginal Idol. You can be Aboriginal Idol if you want to. story of Vincent Lignari, but this is a story, something so much more. How power and privilege cannot move a people who know where they stand when they stand in their
Big things grow from little things. Big things grow from little things. Big things grow from little things. Big things grow. That's right. From little things, big things grow. We were just talking about how Sam grew really, really big while the other Sam being me stayed really, really little. Anyway, you never can tell what will grow big. You're on Dirt Radio with Sam and Sam and Jack and we have Dr. Jim Green on the line. Uh, Dr. Jim, are you there and can you hear us? Yep. Hello? Hi, can you hear me? Uh, yes, we can hear you. You might just have to speak up a little bit, but yes, we definitely can, which is great. Uh, for those listening who don't know, Dr. Jim Green is our national anti-nukes campaigner, and so obviously it's always a busy time for him. And Jack, I believe you had some questions you wanted to put to Dr. Jim. Yeah, um, our questions today are regarding the um, conflict in the Ukraine uh, with Russia. So, Jim... Um, how many facilities are there um, in Russia, in the Ukraine, sorry? Uh, there are 15 nuclear power reactors at four different sites. There's also the old Chernobyl site, and as I'm sure you know, Chernobyl was the site of the world's worst nuclear power disaster back in 1986. So they don't have any operating reactors at Chernobyl, but they've got the, uh, the mess from the explosion in 1986, plus a whole lot of nuclear waste stored there. In addition to that, there are, I think there are three nuclear research reactors and various other scientific and medical sites with, uh, with nuclear materials. Yeah, cool. Um, and what's happening with these facilities? Uh, and how are Russia um, taking hold of them? Yeah, well, Russia's taken hold of the Chernobyl site, probably just because it was on the uh, invasion route from Belarus. And they've also taken control of the Zaporizhia nuclear power plant, which is uh, in the southeast of the country. And uh, that might have been because it was not on an invasion route or it might have been for other reasons. Um, one of the reasons that Russia likes to take control of these nuclear sites is because they can operate as a, as a military base. Now that Russia's got control of the Zaporizhia site, uh, it's, uh, it would be extremely risky for Ukrainian forces to take back control of it because of the risk of instigating a, a nuclear disaster. Um, yeah, and of course, for any energy facility in wartime, there's uh, a fight for control to be able to turn on and off power supply at will. Uh, so yeah, it, the the fight over the Zaporizhia site was easily the most risky and frightening aspect of this to date. But, you know, there's a long way to go. There's still the other three nuclear power plants, which have got another nine reactors, and we don't know how that, that will unfold. Cool. And of the um, acquisition of these sites, um, are there any additional risks outside of the forceful taking of them? Yeah, well, you know, the risk is that... Of creating a nuclear disaster. Um, you wouldn't have a Chernobyl-scale disaster because part of the problem there was the design of the reactor and the graphite moderator and the graphite fire, which burned for 10 days and spewed radiation all over Europe. But 
You could certainly have a Fukushima scale disaster, which was absolutely horrendous and contaminated vast amounts of land and led to the evacuation of 160,000 people and uh, long term death toll estimated at 5,000 and costs in the ballpark of 1 trillion Australian dollars. So that scale of nuclear disaster is possible, and that could happen either through a direct strike on the reactor. But a much more likely scenario is that uh, you would take out the power supply or the water supply and you need power and water to cool the reactors. And if you don't have uh, power and water, then you get a nuclear meltdown. So that's the biggest risk. And at this Saporizhia site, two of the four power cables have been lost because they were damaged during the fighting. So there are two left. And at the Chernobyl site, Keep in mind, Chernobyl doesn't have operating reactors, but they have lost grid electricity supply to the Chernobyl site, and they're running uh, diesel-fueled backup power generators, so it's quite a dicey situation. Yeah. Um, and has this sort of thing happened before in international conflict, or is this a fairly new <clears throat> phenomenon? This is a first in terms of large-scale nuclear warfare uh, involving a country with a, a large nuclear power program. The historical precedents are mostly in the Middle East and they mostly involve the targeting of nuclear research reactors which are suspected of being involved in uh, nuclear weapons programs. So there are quite a few. I'll just mention one, which was Israel's strike on the Osirak nuclear research reactor in Iraq uh, before it had finished construction, but uh, Israel suspected that the reactor was going to be used for a weapons program, and I think they were probably correct in that assessment. And also the reactor was subject to International Atomic Energy Agency safeguards, uh, and that incident demonstrated that no one has any serious confidence in IAEA safeguards. What sort of thing can we... Um do in Australia to mitigate these sort of issues internationally? Well, um, it's it's not an easy question at all, Jack, but, you know, in hindsight, it was foolish for Australia to be selling Russia, uh, uranium to Russia for many reasons, including the near-complete absence of any International Atomic Energy Agency safeguards inspections in Russia and uranium sales to Russia were suspended in 2014 by the Abbott government, and they have not yet resumed, and presumably they won't resume. And equally stupid was the decision in 2017 to allow uranium sales to Ukraine because Russia had already annexed parts of Ukraine then. IAEA safeguards had broken down, um, and we have exported some uranium to Ukraine, and we've got absolutely no idea where it is. We do know that there's certainly no safeguards applying to that Australian uranium or its byproducts. So, you know, in the longer term, we can just get out of this uranium supply industry, and then we're not compromised, and it won't be Australian uranium that's involved in these conflicts. And keep in mind also that Australian uranium was in the Fukushima reactors, which blew up. 11 years ago, and that was another example of, of grossly irresponsible uranium export policy. So, Jim, are you saying that uh, uranium in Ukraine power stations, some of that has been supplied by Australia? Well, we don't know the details because there's 
so much secrecy involved in all of this, but we do know that some uranium was exported to Ukraine since the agreement was signed five years ago. Uh, we don't know how much. It might have been just a trial shipment just to get the supply chain sorted out. So uh, I don't, we don't know for sure, Sam. It's possible. Um, but we certainly signed an irresponsible uranium export agreement. And, you know, the parliamentary committee that I spoke to on that issue, they were just half asleep, couldn't give a damn about what I was saying and just signed off on it. And now we see the consequences of that. We've got Australian uranium and its products somewhere in Ukraine uh, mm. and with no safeguards and no control or accountability. Mm. I suppose as a follow-up to that, what are there are similar risks in the Asia Pacific region to with um, nuclear power. Uh, well, mostly through historical accident, there are no nuclear power programs in Southeast Asia, um, so we don't have the same level of risks, and we should keep it that way. Uh, but you know, obviously, there are nuclear power plants in in about thirty-two countries around the world. The sort of thing that would be horrendous would be, say, India and Pakistan going to war. They've both got multiple nuclear power reactors. Um, and more generally, I've, I've been comparing this situation in Ukraine to a worst-case scenario, which would be two evenly matched adversaries with large-scale nuclear power programs. Then you would have war dragging on for years. And even if there was an agreement not to target nuclear power reactors, then either deliberately or accidentally, uh, you're going to have a, a Fukushima-scale disaster and then the agreement will be broken. Then you'll have multiple Fukushima-scale nuclear disasters as one after another nuclear power plant is attacked. I suppose, finally, is the, what's your opinion on the international response to the nuclear issue in Ukraine these past few weeks? Well... There has been really no international response, you know. Every day I see what the International Atomic Energy Agency has to say and they've got the best of intentions and they're trying to get uh, Ukrainian and Russian representatives together to establish some sort of framework to uh, ensure nuclear safety. But, um, you know, what can they do? The Russians want to take control of nuclear power plants, so they're going to do it. So... Uh, there was discussion about establishing exclusion zones or safety zones around nuclear power plants, but that hasn't happened. Um, so essentially there's nothing that the International Atomic Energy Agency can do. And Jim, in terms of the broader threat of war and environmental impact, uh, nuclear disaster, do you do you think it says anything, this, this current conflict for... I guess Australia's nuclear subs program or, or yeah, any other reflections you might have? Um, yeah, well, there are all sorts of environmental disasters unfolding, you know, as oil depots have been attacked, and that's horrendous. Um, you know, logically, you would get away from nuclear power, you would mm. prioritise renewable energy, distributed renewable energy, that's by far the most resilient and safe energy system uh, in peacetime and especially in wartime but you know the world being what it is I think there's going to be a ramping up of militarism and this conflict could 
could aid those who were trying to get Australia into the nuclear industry and into nuclear submarines. So, you know, there was a significant downside risk to have this place out in Australia. Thanks, Jim, for that. I just wanted to read quickly Friends of the Earth Russia's statement on the Ukrainian uh, crisis. We've got a Friends of the Earth group. We're in 73 countries uh, around the world. We're in 73. Um, just give me a bit of a musical background. Um, 73 countries around the world. Yeah, Friends of the Earth is a... We're here in Melbourne, but we're also all around the world with 5,000 local groups. Um, and they said, Friends of the Earth Russia said, with great concern, Friends of the Earth Russia uh, is following the developments in and around Ukraine. War is the worst thing that can happen to people and to nature. Acts of war take human lives and have huge negative impact on the environment. We oppose any military solutions to political conflicts, be it acts of war, arms races, military activity, or escalation of tension. We call for existing problems to be resolved on a basis of negotiations, taking into account the interests of all parties involved. The R RSEU Council, Friends of Russia, expresses its deep sympathy with all of the affected people and sincere con condolences to the family of victims. We call for measures to be taken to preserve the lives and ensure the safety of citizens, as well as protect nature, regardless of the developments uh, of the military situation. And we note that a lot of um, protests have been happening in, in Russia. Um, many brave activists uh, are standing up to the war there. Um, so, yeah, just wanted to read that statement. And thanks so much for joining us, Jim. I'm not sure if, Sam, you had any further... No, thanks, Jim, for joining us this morning and talking about the endless issue of why people keep choosing nuclear power, nuclear energy, nuclear weapons. And thank you for all the extraordinary work that you do. No worries. And also just to let your listeners know that um, I'm tracking this stuff in detail and um, putting an update every day on the FOE website. And the URL is nuclear.foe.org.au slash Ukraine. Great. Thank you. Uh, listeners out there, if you want to hop onto the FOE website, you'll be able to see some of Jim's thoughts, reflections, and uh, just critical analysis of what's happening with nuclear power around the world and particularly in Ukraine. Uh, thanks for joining us, Jim. We're going to keep moving because we're nearly out of time, but thanks for coming on. Talk to you soon. Bye. <laughs> It's time to roll your sleeves up and get your hands dirty with Friends of the Earth. Dirt Radio. Well, if you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, yes, I know where you are. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. If you listen to 3CR, clap your hands. We'll check out the happy vibe. They're gonna ring up and subscribe if you listen to 3CR. Flap your ears! What? Who the hell is that? Flap your ears! What are you talking about? I ain't no elephant. Get out of here. This is handmade radio. Flap your ears! Get out. Get the hell out of here now. You're on Dirt Radio with Sam, Sam and Jack. Uh, Jack, thanks for doing that interview uh, with Jim Green from Faux Australia. Is there anything you wanted to add before we wrap up for the day? No, not really. I think um, mainly I'm just getting over this first time here. So, um, you know, I suppose it's that initial 
rush of uh, excitement. (laughs) Just calm myself down a little bit, I think. (laughs) Excellent. Sam, what's going on in Friends of the Earthland? Well, we've got a a big month in March. Um, So coming up tonight, um, if if people have got their calendars free, we've got an information night. So we know this year is a federal election. Uh, There's also a state election. And at 6pm, there's a Friends of the Earth information night at Victoria Trades Hall. Um, So please come on down. It's all about what you can do this year to make a real difference. We know that this year is really important for our climate and environment. So please come on down, get active, take action. Um, Then on March 19th, we have an aerial photograph. Uh, So that's at the Box Hill uh, Athletic Club at 1pm. And it's about, it's a race to zero emissions. So I think we're going to have some sort of racetrack with the different um, political parties and they're going to come down hopefully um, and and get in line about, about, you know, where where in the race they are to zero emissions. Uh, And then on March 22nd, we've got a workshop called 10 Steps to Personal Resilience and Empowerment. Um, in a chaotic climate. And that's an online event at 6.30pm. So just to repeat, we've got tonight, um, Trades Hall, it's an information night, should be a great event, get down there. March 19, um, a race, uh, I think it's a Saturday afternoon, probably one o'clock, and then a workshop about resilience and and looking after yourself and the climate. And then following on from there, of course, the the youngest babes of the Friends of the Earth Federation, the school strikers for climate, will be holding a four-day action event packed um, event that is happening starting on the 25th of March with the big uh, rally. So get along to that and support those students for climate action. You are on Dirt Radio. It's just about time for us to get out of here. Uh, I was going to go out with a longer song, but we've just filled the show so quickly. I'm going to choose a shorter, shorter one. Uh, and what better way to get up and moving on this Tuesday morning than with a little bit of Joan Jett. You've been on Dirt Radio with Sam, Sam and Jack. Thanks for joining us. Uh, we'll be back next week digging the dirt. In the meantime, check out our website, become a member here at 3CR, or, of course, join Friends of the Earth Melbourne and get active in your local community. Dirt Radio coming up next, I believe, is Billabong Beats, if the uh, schedule hasn't changed. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time. Bye. about 17 He was strong